welcome to the video staying inside podcast. <laughs> Sorry, the video insiders podcast. It's so strange, Carlos. I didn't know people that weren't dads could do dad jokes. <laughs> Well, I am a fur daddy. Yeah, so, okay. uh, <laughs> wow. wow, fur daddy. I've not heard that one before. But, uh, oh, really? You haven't heard that one? All right. Uh, yeah. I don't, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. All right. great start to the podcast, people. Stay <laughs> exactly. So uh, we, this is not a podcast about being uh, furries. This is a co- podcast about uh, the behind the scenes of YouTube and online creators, people who manage YouTube channels, who manage content libraries. Both Tom and I have been behind the scenes, managing YouTube channels, optimizing creator channels for close to eight years. So probably combined we're at 15 or something like that. And many billions of views be under us. So that's us. Uh, Tom, how have you been? Yeah, I've just been uh, keep on keeping on just uh, spending a lot of time on Zoom. Uh, just, <laughs> uh, and you know, I heard that there was some kind of um security problem with Zoom, so <laughs> allegedly, you know, don't sue us. So, yeah, just uh, a little bit uh, concerned, but not too much. I don't really give away much secrets over Zoom, but um, yeah, we'll be looking into that. And I think they've actually had some changes uh, since I've since that all kind of came to light now people that come into my meetings have to sit in a waiting room which is uh interesting but um probably for the yeah the the, the zoom thing's been interesting uh i went on my first sort of like client call recently that was like more than just three people it was like uh, nine people and i was like fascinated because up until now i've used zoom for like one-on-one calls maybe three calls but like never big uh big group and i was quite impressed at the you know quality of it yeah also like i don't know about you but our world right now like anybody who works on the internet all you do is manage chat and video apps like literally that's yeah. all i do yeah. i am on messenger whatsapp slack teams and then zoom and then google hangouts and then obviously yeah and google hangouts and it's like crazy this is the world we live in like i have clients that are just Google Hangouts, our clients are Zoom, our clients that are Teams, and our clients that are that are uh, obviously on Slack. The world of messaging on the web is bonkers. That's yeah, well, all I can say. Yeah, well, me and you message through iMessage, but also sometimes WhatsApp, which kind of throws me off sometimes. Then I've also <laughs> got messages that come through on my desktop from iMessage, so that also throws me off. And then we're emailing, and we've both got about six email addresses each. And that's just yep. and that's just the conversations between us two. So yeah, you t- yeah. multiply that by like the million people that you speak to regularly, and uh, it all gets pretty yeah. hand pretty quickly. Yes. So obviously, this is not this week in messengers. So uh, <laughs> we are uh, the Video Insiders. Before we're going to have another interview show, obviously. But uh, before we get into it, let's thank our founding sponsor. TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tool to optimize your YouTube channel and get more views. We use and recommend TubeBuddies to all our clients, uh, TubeBuddy, not TubeBuddies, to help manage their YouTube channels, to help optimize their YouTube channels. Often I like to talk about the tools that I use the most. Templates are amazing on TubeBuddy. I use templates to set up end cards, info cards, so that I don't have to think about it every single time. I don't have to go through the process of fixing every single video. Uh, Having a bulk tool that saves 
templates. It's not just one template, it's multiple templates. It's a great little tool for TubeBuddy that can be really useful. Tom, how can people sign up? Yeah, you can get an exclusive Video Insiders multi-channel discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Yeah, so today uh, it's me at the interview helm, and I'm interviewing a industry stalwart, someone who I've known for many year, many years, um, since my time back at the BBC. Uh, a really just top bloke, as well as you know, really, really knowledgeable. Uh, this is an interview with Dennis Crushell from Tubular. Uh, that's Tubular Labs and Tubular Insights, which is an amazing, amazing data tracking tool software. It does so much. Calling it a data tracking tool makes it sound just uh, just like a kind of throwaway piece of software. But this is kind of like enterprise level, crazy, crazy stuff. If you know, people always email me whether I'm uh, consulting with them or just they know that I'm the person to ask. They're like, do you know any tools that can do this and i'm like well there's tubular <laughs> and uh not much else really it does really stand uh, head and shoulders above the competition and i've been lucky enough to work for a couple of companies that have had uh, tubular licenses uh another thing that tubular are famous for is sharing their insights so they they always publish um really cool stuff on their blogs they've got a whole separate website uh, tubular insights which is dedicated to um sharing uh the the findings that they have and they always have some kind of presence at vidcon stuff like that where they talk about what's the latest trends in video and these are always fascinating and we've actually got some really fascinating stuff from dennis coming up around the latest trends especially in these crazy what i now refer to them to my kids as like corona times so yeah really interested to get into this and um me and Carlos will be back on the other side to wrap up the conversation. So this is me and Dennis. So today's guest is a good friend of mine, somebody who I've known now for, wow, many, many years, at least five, six years since he came into the offices at the BBC to talk to us about his product of which he's going to talk to more about today. So please give a warm Video Insiders welcome to Dennis Crushall. Is that how I pronounce your name, Dennis? Yeah, Dennis Crushall, yeah. From Tubular Labs, Tubular Insights. It's a pleasure to have you on, Dennis. Please give uh, our audience, if they don't know you, if you're in the video industry, no doubt you've met Dennis. <laughs> but uh, just in case, please, can you give our Video Insiders listeners uh, a bit of insight into who you are, where your journey in, in career started in the video industry and, and how you got to Tubular. I think you might be, from uh, my research, one of the few ex-Googlers to, to be on the show. So that would be very yeah. interesting to get to get that story. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for the introduction. I think, um, yeah, my background, um, so I've worked at Tubular now for just over four years, and I, um, I'm our head of international um, MD here in London, so looking after the European and Asian markets. But my background before Tubular Labs, I was at um, Google YouTube for um, just over 10 years, and I worked, always kind of working, well, first of all, kind of working more on the search side of things with a lot of retail clients and stuff, and then moving more into YouTube over time. So before I left um, Google, I was head of sponsorship, YouTube sponsorship um, for EMEA. 
uh, which was uh, working with lots of YouTubers and, and media companies to look at like brand integrations, big media sponsorships um, at YouTube. So yeah, that's my background. That's really interesting, actually. And I've, I've got some more uh, questions around sponsorships coming up just a little bit later. But also, it'd be really useful to have a quick recap for people that don't know. Again, I think most people will have heard of Tubular before, but it'd be really great to know a little bit more about the the tool and the product itself and how it differs for it uh, differs from uh, its competition on the market. Yeah. Uh, good question. So I think, um, yeah, Tubular Labs, we are an online video measurement company. So we have been, um, for the last eight years, uh, we have actually been measuring um, online video so and social video specifically. So YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and Twitch as well. So we... If you think of like, I think a lot of a lot of your guests will have used like a platform like Google Analytics. We basically are like Google Analytics for the entire of YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter um, in terms of online video. So we help companies uh, know what audiences are consuming to help them grow audiences, um, but as well to monetize audiences. So whether that is selling branded content, we work with the likes of Lad Bible, BuzzFeed, Vice. Um, or whether it is your main income is kind of monetizing YouTube views. So people like uh, BBC Studios um, or Viacom or others helping them just get large, large audiences on the platform by really looking at like what content is working well, who are the biggest influencers. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what we do. In terms of the competition, um, we really are now positioning ourselves in terms of um, a measurement standard and looking at how big these audiences are. Um, we've announced over the last few months where we've like looked at new metrics like unique viewers and minutes watched for the first time ever. So where you can see these metrics. So in that side of things, we would really see ourselves kind of in the space of someone like a Nielsen, a Comscore or a Barb in the UK measuring more traditional media or websites, how big they are. Um, and then, but then, yeah, on, we're, we're part of this YouTube measurement program where YouTube gives us um, a lot of access to their data to measure it. And uh, there's other companies with on that. Um, there's people like um, uh, OpenSlate and uh, Wizdio is another company. How we differ from them, OpenSlate very much focuses kind of on um, ad buying. Um, and uh, someone like Wizdio, I think, has an analytics platform kind of more for creator focus versus kind of media company focus. Yeah. So that's kind of how we differ. Yeah. And I think it's really important to just double clarify that. I know you said you're similar to Google Analytics, but you actually provide analytics for all of the channels, not just the channel of the person whose account it is. So especially if we're looking at kind of industry-wide trends, uh, competition analysis, Tubular is super powerful like beyond powerful and uh, i've been lucky to work at companies that had tubular um tubular tools and access and it's mind-blowing the amount of um of yeah. access and the amount of information in there so yeah huge kudos to that we'll, we'll come back to talking about the the tools and the and the products a bit later but what i really want to double down on at the moment is that last time I spoke to you, Dennis was at VidCon London and we yeah. met at many VidCons yeah. here, here and far. And one thing that like you can kind of set your watch by is that at any VidCon you are going to present around the kind of YouTube trends and video viewing trends and specifically in Europe. 
uh, that you yeah. know, that being like your main market. Yeah. You know, these are like must attend sessions uh, and you always publish the report publicly as well. And we'll link to that. But I really want to dive into your latest report, which you presented and released um, back in February. I'm thinking it seems like I'm saying yeah. it seems like a so long ago now. Then. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so that conference center where me and Dennis presented and spoke at is now an emergency yeah, medical hospital. Crazy. So, yeah. yeah kind of crazy. And we will touch on some um, post COVID trends as well a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to dive into that report. And as I say, we'll link to that so you can read through it as well at home. Yeah. But I've got some kind of direct questions that I've kind of picked out. Yeah. Sounds um, good. After, after diving into that. So I'd love to get your opinion on these. So I think it, the biggest kind of not not that surprising but the biggest kind of finding uh, early on in the report it says that youtube is still the dominant platform when it comes to video viewing but my question to you is is there really a, a, any space for a, a true compare to youtube when it comes to video viewership like will they ever be knocked off their perch and you know, if there was going to be a compare, let's say it was Amazon or whoever it may be that you think is most likely, yeah. how long would it take to knock a juggernaut like YouTube off of that? that yeah. yeah, I think, I think, I think what's fascinating as well, where like my background, where I was at Google and everything, like seeing companies like, like, I guess Vine, first of all, that Twitter bought that was doing quite well. Then, um, Obviously, Snapchat became quite big. Then we had Facebook really get very, very large um, back in 2016, I would say, end of 2015, 2016. Um, I think YouTube has never like been a fad. It's really just been growing and growing bigger and bigger over many years. And I think it never really will be a fad because it's really an entertainment hub versus like social at its core, where I think yeah. things can be more faddy when it's kind of like in trend that my friends are on there or my friends are not on there. People are going onto YouTube. They don't care if their friends are on there or not. They're just consuming entertainment. And I think what we're seeing actually with the COVID stuff is like people's habits are changing so much. So like like um joe wicks that body coach guy is doing a pe class every day at the moment at 9 a.m for people's kids and like he's the, he's the only thing that's stopping me from turning into a whale at the moment he's doing <laughs> is that. he? that's good doing that, doing yeah. that class with my kids in the morning oh that's brilliant which yeah, is like which, which is yeah and which is like i think people's habits are changing like will people do more fitness videos at home or um like at least more people know now about like this amazing fitness content on youtube or whether it's food content or diy content i think um some of the people in my extended family are like tuning into netflix documentaries for the first time ever and i think that habit will have changed after covid19 yeah i think you know that's another thing that you know the the talk around tiger king yeah. is so inflated it's because intense. everyone's yeah. at, everyone's at home yeah you know, i thought really i thought that Disney Plus would be yeah. the thing on everyone's lips, but to me, I, it might just be my bubble of people on my social networks. But Tiger King is definitely yeah. uh, is winning in the meme wars. Yeah, I would say. 
Oh, definitely, yeah. And it's it's strange how certain things can bubble up like that. Uh, it's so unexpected. But I guess that's back to like with Netflix and YouTube. Like, there's so much content on there uh, there that like things bubble up and like the cream kind of comes to the top. Yeah. Um, but I think back to the question about uh, platforms. I think um, yes, YouTube is a juggernaut. It's absolutely massive. I think uh, we also see that Facebook, Instagram are very, very large, uh, different kind of consumption patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think uh, there's a lot of talk right now about TikTok for sure. And uh, that's doing well. I think what's interesting in the report that we shared is like if w- one, one thing that we shared in there was like um, minutes watched by age groups. And we have this for like YouTube and Facebook. And the biggest age buckets are 18 to 34 year olds for consumption on YouTube and Facebook. So it's like over 50%. Well, like 13 to 17 year olds was only 4%. So I do think maybe some of those audiences are going to places like TikTok or other younger platforms. But I think what's interesting is those younger platforms want to age up all the time as well, kind of like YouTube did 10, 15 years ago. But I suppose this a question for you, and I'm not sure if you have an answer or I'd be interested in how your, your company is trying to broach it. But yeah. when you're talking about measurement for age groups and stuff, how do you deal with the fact that, you know, most of the time when my kids are watching YouTube, they're watching it on my account or they're watching it not logged in. And, yeah. you know, so if someone looked at my view in history, it'd be a yeah. lot of, it'd be Joe Weeks every morning, but it'd also yeah. be, you know, Horrid Henry or Ben 10 or whatever it would be. So how do you deal with that as a measurement company, knowing that yeah. not necessarily all activity is happening by the person who owns that account yeah surely surely that does skew the numbers to a certain extent yeah it 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 does i like i think um looking at anyone who's meant to be on youtube is meant to be like logged in account over 13 years of age and uh your account consuming that content where your kids are viewing it or your co-viewing it will report back that it's you the parent um yeah we're not looking at um we're not looking at like trying to understand audiences under 13 years of age. Um, but you will see in our data that it's like parents accounts or devices consuming this content when a lot of the content is about kids content. Um, I think we, we were actually the first company to our knowledge to like start to split out like kids content or parent content we call it we have a content genre called kids content in our platform um before that was something that was done but i i think now where we've seen uh, the recent changes with youtube where they are now classifying kids content and that whole piece is being um better understood those consumption levels um is good i think it's more transparency in the, into the industry of actually who is viewing this stuff and um and making sure that there's appropriate advertisers around that content and advertisers know who they're targeting as well yeah which is important yeah. yeah, really important. Yeah, because uh, I've I've kind of been on my soapbox a number of times talking about how, like, when my kids are watching YouTube for years, they've been targeted, like, Visit Iceland or Turkish yeah. Airlines or Gillette. And it's it's like, yeah. well, my my kids don't care because they're skipping them at the, at the soonest possible opportunity. But, 
you know, that's Gillette's ad money and Turkish's, Turkish Airlines ad money yeah. and Visit Iceland's ad money that's pretty much just being lit on fire. But yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. That's just but I think, it, I think it, and I used to always see that in the past, like where advertisers would be advertising on YouTube and it'd be like targeting audiences and appear around gaming or kids content. This is when I was at Google and like uh, that always was going to have to be cleaned up or be more transparent or something is my point of view personal point of view. Uh, you, you mentioned previously that YouTube was a juggernaut and still growing. In your report, it shows that Europe is still really a, a growth market, despite it being kind of so mature. Do you think that Europe will kind of peak in the next few years in terms of consumption? Because, you know, how how much more can it grow before it reaches kind of full penetration in europe yeah and um outside of europe what are the kind of big geographical growth areas that you're that you're seeing at tubular yeah i think um i think it will keep continuing to grow i i, I think i remember a few years ago it, there was like some studies i saw where like youtube was about five percent of total minutes watched of tv i'm sure i think that was like about five six years ago i saw that report so i'm sure it's probably more like 10 percent or in between 10 or 15 percent or something now of like minutes watched um even though it's hard to look at apples to apples which is something that we've been working on with a lot of our clients we have something called the global video measurement alliance where we're working with um we're working with vice buzzfeed uh, viacom um, and other partners within that to like try and create these standards so you can measure uh, TV like uh, online video such as minutes watched or unique viewers. But um, yes, I think it will continue to keep on growing once it's still at that small base um, as a total percentage. Um, so, and I think in the report we showed that like different countries' uh, views not minutes watched, are growing anywhere between um, 10 to 25%, depending on the country. And that's not minutes watched, which we know is even growing faster. Like YouTube have come out even, I think, in the last year or two to say minutes watched is like 50% growth year and year. I think that came out two years ago. So like it, there's probably greater um, growth in terms of minutes watched. And, um, yeah, I think that will continue, um, in these countries. I think, uh, countries that are like growing faster and stuff. I think, I think countries like the Nordics where broadband speeds are very, very high. Maybe they're a little bit underserved with, um, like local content. Uh, we see that it's even higher there for some of those countries. Um, I think, yeah, in the Middle East, in Russia, those countries have become very, very big on YouTube um, from a consumption point of view. So it seems to be growing kind of all over. I think. I think what's really interesting, though, in the report. One last point in that is like we have a we have a, a slide in here, which yeah, we'll have the link afterwards. But like media companies year and year seem to be investing more in YouTube. Um, so it seems that media companies are getting the economics to work a bit better for them, um, which is mostly ad-driven. Um, I think we're probably seeing as well maybe some of these companies, media companies, look to do more direct ad sales as well and try to work with Google on that, particularly with all of the brand safety uh, points that have been uh, bubbling up over the last few years. But I do think the economics seem to be 
working a bit better for media companies. They're getting real scale there. And we're seeing that they're investing more content in YouTube. And if there's better quality content coming on there, there's no reason why those audiences won't even shift more. Yeah. Yeah. Long so answer, the re- yes. Yeah. No, the, the report says that influencers kind of still dominate yeah, YouTube. So my question was, you know, are media's ca- media companies catching up? In in my experience, and it, it might even be because I'm from that media yeah. world. I'm surprised that media companies don't have a bigger lion share when you consider yeah. how easily they can, you know, they can look at their catalog and they might have a few hundred thousand hours worth of content that yeah. they can publish, you know, day after day after day. Whereas an influencer has only a finite amount of time yeah. and resource to create new content. So yeah. yeah, I think media companies are more and more, you know, I still think that it's like, some companies are still five years behind the curve yeah. and they've got like hundreds of hours of materials sitting on a shelf somewhere gathering dust Yeah, where that could be on YouTube making them money or at the very least yeah. they could be switching on content ID for that and monetizing yeah. it that way. Um, and through my consultancy business, I'm getting more and more calls from companies like that of like, Oh yeah, I can see that everyone else is on YouTube. Like, can you help me put my, 500 different documentaries yeah. on them. Like, yes, I can. Yeah. Uh, and also through my distribution arm where I'm going to people and saying, you know, you've got all of this content. You're not doing anything with it. I can help you to do that. Or you can just give it to me to put on YouTube. Or at the very least, you know that there's like a hundred versions of your full episodes on and you should be making money from that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised media companies aren't actually taking up more of a, a percentage of, of the of the pie, shall we say. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating, your background, like at BBC Studios and Endemol, like the catalogs you guys had there and a lot of the companies you work with today, when someone's got a big catalog, they can make the scale work to make some reasonable money from YouTube pretty immediately. Um, I think it's harder maybe for the people who don't have that catalog. But I think what's fascinating from us when we're actually working with companies is like what department does uh, YouTube and Facebook sit in? <laughs> so like yeah. if it sits in marketing, it's more about reaching those audiences. So they kind of go more all in. But if it's like just monetizing, it's usually slower steps to doing that. Um yeah, which is fascinating yeah. for us with working with yeah. clients. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because at the BBC, I sat in the marketing division and then went to Endemol where I sat in the, I suppose you would call it like the monetization or the distribution arm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the kind of aggressiveness in exploiting rights and monetizing assets as much as possible was, you know, much higher on the agenda. And that, you know, that really. That showed through on the uh, the PNL pretty quickly. So yeah, yeah, really interesting. And um, but still, so much opportunity with people. You know, a lot of people are saying, "Yeah, I've got hundreds of hours, but they're sitting on on tapes somewhere in a warehouse." Yeah. So that's a yeah. And I I think I think something that's happening in the industry, which is good. Like looking at the likes of Channel Four and ITV, um, like the guys at Channel Four who we work with, they are smart around like kind of sitting in both. Or and it seems like ITV is doing that as well more, where it's like we spend a lot of money on Facebook and YouTube with ads, but then we also put content out there, and there should be a coordinated strategy for that, uh, which I think is happening more and more. 
Yeah, absolutely. My my push of push to media companies is always well yeah you you want to promote your new stuff but it's easier to do when you've got an engaged organic audience so you know you want to kind of give them the evergreen stuff in the off season and then when it comes time to launch a new series of something then you've got an army of fans and uh you know a channel that's in the good books of youtube's algorithm to be able to promote your, your new ad or your new live event or you know, DVD box set, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, my next question, now I'm actually going to change a little bit. So I, I picked out some some kind of trends that, that in terms of content genres that were working um, in terms of like kids content and sport. But it seems like, and no, obviously not your fault and not tubeless fault, that this in the current climate, in, in the midst of the yeah. COVID pandemic, is that those trends are probably a little bit, outdated but i know that yeah. recently you, you released an updated report about what's been trending yeah uh, more recently while people have kind of been globally locked down at home and more access to youtube and other platforms so i'd like to if you can just to share a bit yeah, yeah. We'll, link to, we'll link to that data as well yeah. you can talk us about like what what are the genres that are really popping yeah. now that people are at home yeah sounds good um I think, and since we did the VidCon report, yeah, a lot has changed um, over um, time since then. I guess looking at February and March, we actually looked at just uh, a week in February. So February 23rd to February 29th. And then we looked at March 15th to 21st. And we looked at like how many videos are being uploaded and as well, we have a metric at Tubular that we look at called uh, V7, which basically is like seven-day TV rating. It's like how many views did a video get on average from seven days of upload because we timestamp videos every day. So it gives all videos an equal opportunity to get the same amount of views to benchmark them. And uh, we looked at this, yeah, for these weeks. So pre-COVID-19, uh, well, kind of pre-early COVID-19, post-COVID-19, um, like really being this uh, a global basis, the categories that we saw really kind of pop. Um, from an uploads and views standpoint, the, the one that really stands out is health and fitness, um, is like on an upload basis is up 76%, and on a views basis, every video is getting 59% more views on average than it was um, before COVID. Um, I think we talked That's about, incredible. yeah, I think we talked about that Joe Wicks example. I think other ones, um, sports is a notable one that's down. Obviously, there's less content to be uploaded there and uh, less, yeah, well, it's interesting that the, the uploaded is like 40% down, but the views is only 15% down. So people are still consuming it and like the catalog of all that content. Um, yeah, the views I, think are that, I think there's an opportunity there. I've worked with a, a, quite a few sports brands in the last few months and um, a lot of their focus is on, okay, highlights from yesterday, highlights yeah. from last night, but they're sitting on catalogs of just a wealth of incredible moments even like last year and five years ago, let alone in the last 30, 40 years. So I think it's a good time now to realize, okay, let's get some evergreen stuff out there. I, re- I recently saw on um, Sunday just past that the uh, official FA Cup channel was um, replaying uh, an FA Cup final live, wow. <laughs> a live streaming for cool. uh, Arsenal versus Hull, I think it was. I was there at the game. Just oh, right, you're an Arsenal fan? Yeah, I am. I'm a season ticket holder, oh, which right. is uh, 
which is currently sitting in front of me and totally worthless because <laughs> there's no football. But yeah, I think, you know, it's given people an opportunity to look at their back catalogue and say, yeah, okay, what else can we do to feed this hunger and, uh, and what can we do with this back catalogue that's got huge value, but we sometimes don't have time to um, capitalise on it because we we have to focus on, you know, what's the what's the highlight that happened yesterday? Yeah. Yep. And then uh, I, I fully agree. And I think you're even seeing some of the sports guys as well look at like more behind the scenes and stuff. Can they still produce content that's not about the match? Um, but I think other categories, kids and entertainment is up 30%. The other fashion is up as well. Computers and technology. So lots of people are actually looking at um, computer videos and stuff. Interesting cars and vehicles videos are up as well. So people are consuming more of that. But across the board, like on YouTube, this is, it looks like like just this random week that we picked before and after, it looks like viewership's up about 10% on average across YouTube um, just for that week. Yeah. Yeah. And it will probably increase as more and more countries and major yeah. metropolitan cities kind of go into to lockdown. Yeah. And I think on the kids' side, actually, from talking to some of the guys in the kids' space, like, it's interesting to hear that, like, they're looking to produce more education content, like, fitness content, um, and what was the others? Just even something like, um, there's a lot of, like, wash-your-hands videos, like, nursery rhymes on YouTube, and they're, like, exploding at the moment, like, 4 or 5x. So, yeah, it's interesting to see how people are adapting to trying to produce content or get catalog content that is higher in demand now. And what about live video? Because, you know, I'm seeing obviously Joe Wicks, which we've spoken about and um, there's a big kind of celebrity, well, celebrity quote unquote, uh, Mylene class, who is a, a famous pop artist, radio DJ and a musician. And she's doing live music lessons um, like David Williams is releasing short stories every day on SoundCloud, more kind of appointments of you type stuff. Have you seen any increase on that or is it kind of too early to tell? Yeah, we have. We, uh, we're currently creating a report around um, live consumption and it's YouTube and Twitter, uh, sorry, YouTube and Twitch that we're looking at and uh, both are up. I've seen some of the stats already. I know that Twitch was fascinating because even in our team meeting this week, I was asking people, or, well, everyone was talking about what they did over the weekend and talking about, like, are they on Zoom, um, like, or Hangouts or House Party, the other app where people are, like, hanging yeah, out socially and stuff. Yeah, and um, uh, someone was saying that they were on, like, um, a big quiz like there was maybe 10,000 people on it for a, a Twitch live stream and they were giving out like um, a big yeah. massive pub quiz. And yeah, I was going to say, it's a shame that I was it called IQ that quiz that shut down. Could you imagine how much traction that would be getting right now? Yeah. Well, I read that that's actually come back. It came back I think this week yeah. or something. I'm but, not surprised. Yeah. yeah. But we have seen that like usage for live or sorry, consumption of live increased massively on YouTube and Twitch. And it sounds like it's interesting in the Twitch side it mightn't just be on the gaming side that we all think of when it comes to Twitch. Um, but I know that we're releasing a report around that in the next week. So yes, for your listeners, go to our website. There's an insights tab there where all of this stuff will be hosted on. It's perfect. And we'll link to that, that insights tab so you can find it. So I'd like to quickly get back to the, the product yeah. and uh, the, the tool set. And um, 
you know, there's there's so many different sides to that tool. And yeah. uh, I remember when I was using it, we were kind of poking around and came up with interesting use cases that other people weren't necessarily using it for. So, you know, we were using it to, to look at content ID opportunities yeah. and stuff like that. So I'd love to know what are, what are some of the kind of big non-conventional use cases and uh, yeah. success, success stories that you've seen over the last few years. I, I recently saw you'd published some news about some work you've been doing with Moonbug, stuff like that. So I'd, I'd love to hear more about weird and wonderful ways that people are using Tubular. Yeah, good question. I think um, I think on the content ID side, um, as a lot of your listeners will know how content ID works, um, Tubular is kind of a great addition to that sometimes to pick up metadata where people are using metadata to uh, talk about your IP. They mightn't have the IP in that video or they might have snippets or trying to go around content ID, but Tubular is a good way of trying to find that. But as well, for platforms where content ID doesn't work as well, um, uh, yeah, like I don't think there is, well, maybe let's just say Twitter or Instagram or those platforms where you can do more kind of research like that. That's an interesting use case. I think something that the digital first guys have always kind of used our platform for is like, I want to find content that's trending as fast as possible, that's new. And um, they have done a great job over the years of like finding viral clips as fast as possible and kind of then either uh, licensing that IP or maybe recreating the IP themselves. Like I know there was a spider catcher video that Business Insider did a few years ago and other partners of ours copied that video, but it was quite easy. It was just this kind of spider catcher thing uh, that got millions upon millions of views. I think um, other interesting things some um, broadcasters are doing are like they're trying to find funny clips about their IP that fans have created and then uploading them themselves on their own um, pages or channels um, to get large audiences. What else are unusual use cases? Um, I guess like identifying, um, like just identifying in the branded content space, who is spending a lot of money in this space and as well looking at like the people, whether that be influencers who actually are open to commercializing their audiences more than others. So some people type in like keywords like um, sponsored by is sponsored and we have a product called DealMaker that picks this stuff up. But it's interesting to look at that as a use case. Um, I think I think like real benchmarking, like for brands looking at how much share of voice they have versus one another and then trying to model that data with like point of sale purchases. I know we work with a lot of people in the toys space and they do see a big correlation between volume of views on YouTube, whether that be UGC or owned and operated with people actually buying product and in the gaming space as well. So they're, they're kind of interesting use cases, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested about your, like the, the kind of branded content brand matching tool yeah. and services. And, um, who, who does that, ideally work for is it more for people that are looking for influencers to promote their stuff a kind of very specific question and i'm glad you mentioned that you'd worked with sponsorships earlier on is um yeah you know i i see a growing increase in interest that you know people are looking for kind of channel-wide sponsors because you know monetization 
direct monetization becomes harder. Um, have you seen this service lead to like more channel wide sponsorships? Because we are trying to think of like successful examples of that. It's hard for me to really think about anything long term. I know that you know Jamie yeah. Oliver had Drinks Tube that was sponsored by yeah, Bacardi. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in a nutshell, I've got a, a, a Spanish language channel that's sponsored by a, a Spanish language brand. Um, so I'm really fascinated in that. I'm getting more and more people asking about it. More and more people yeah. that want to like they've got no idea where to where to start. Start. Does it work? Does your tool really help with something like that? Yeah. Or, yeah, I think, um, or yeah, our product, which is called DealMaker, like basically um, measures all of the links between sponsors and uploaders, whether that be a media company, an influencer. And uh, we basically bring transparency to the whole market of like what's happening in that space. And um, yes, we've, we, it, what really helps with, with the companies we work with is identify who is spending in the space. So they know already that like branded content works for them with partnering with people. And then it helps them to benchmark their performance versus others to bring it to people to make them aware. Um, I think someone we work with like News Corp, they've done a lot of work for like Gillette over the years with the sun and some of their performance is amazing, but they had no idea that like they had some of the best performance ever, uh, for partnerships for Gillette until we showed them. Um, and then I would say, yeah. And, and so it really like how we describe it, as we said, helps you, uh, prospect pitch and report. And, um, yeah, there's a company that we work with called Jungle Creations where they've gone on record to say that we've made the millions of pounds. Uh, those guys are doing like more longer term partnerships with people like, uh, Bailey's and, uh, other brands. Um, JB Bolding and the team over there do a great job of all of that. They're, they're very big in the food space, uh, with brands such as Twisted and others. So, Yes, it does. I think on the influencer side, um, yeah, people are, I think the influencer side seems to be booming, but it's interesting. It's like at one stage, it looked like it was kind of going very Instagram focused, but then it's kind of come back to YouTube a bit more again. And um, yeah, it's fascinating to see always how much that influencer space is changing all the time. Yeah, yeah I think there's probably a bit of confidence knocked out of the Instagram influencer market with yeah. you know, a lot of public controversy around like fake fake followers and paid for followers and stuff like that whereas youtube generally of course there's bought there's paid for views and paid for followers but i think it has less you know it has a lot of bot detection and stuff like that yeah. whereas influence uh, whereas instagram probably has less interest in closing down kind of bot accounts and artificially inflated yeah accounts where where YouTube, I think, can quite easily kind of detect and delete like views from bots and stuff like that. But who knows? I'm just getting nerdy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so, what's kind of next for for Tubulo? Is there like some new features that are, are on the horizon that you're yeah. excited about? Uh, I don't know if you can talk about any of them or not, or if you've got some super. Uh, well, I think one thing actually that's uh, leading to this, but as well, kind of um, uh, you were saying on you. Uh, uh, interesting use cases of tubular like um where we work with some clients as well where we give them like data feeds and it's interesting to see kind of some of the products and stuff people are 
um, creating on their side uh, via using an API like Tubular. Like I, I saw an example yesterday where someone has like a Slack bot created on their side where they can kind of just quickly ask for information about any influencer or media company where else the audience spend time. I don't know if you remember that feature, Tom, but it looks at like where else my audience has spent time. Yeah. And that's cool to see like companies integrate Tubular data for hundreds of employees at a company uh, via communication tools. And then I would say, yes, where we're going and everything. So I think that is interesting, like people using our data, mixing with other data, such as like um, point of sale for toys or integrating into workflow products. Um, then I would say as well, a big initiative for us over the last year has been this Global Video Measurement Alliance, uh, where we have worked with these partners in the Global Video Measurement Alliance. Um, and with that, like we now work with, how many companies is it? It's about 12. We work with like Brute, BuzzFeed, Discovery, Frida Media, Electric House, a UK company here, uh, Mattel, Webedia. And um, we're working with them on like a creating measurement standards for the industry. And what we're trying to do there is really create better and stronger um, uh, economics of the marketplace of people investing in online video if you're an advertiser, but as well if you're a media company or influencer, making sure that you're able to tell people about the size of your audience. And that's something that we've been really focused on for the last year. And we're bringing out like very interesting data around that, around minutes watched, um, really kind of reach and frequency. If you think about like even how brands like to invest. So that's been something that we're, we're very focused on and we're excited about like bringing out more metrics around that and, and, and really kind of creating a currency, just like the way you think of Comscore or Nielsen as a currency, uh, Tubular having a currency uh, where agencies and brands maybe use it more in like planning um, campaigns. Um, so that's what we're very excited about at the moment. Yeah, and I think that can only be more positive for any anyone working in video because it means that if advertisers have got more trust and faith in where their advertising dollars are going, it will hope they'll hopefully realise that it's a lot more effective than traditional, you know, kind of analog, yeah, TV advertising, print and stuff like that. Yeah. So a few more of those dollars will be moving the way of the the digital yeah. publisher, digital creator. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Dennis. Um, where can people hear more about you and Tubular? Where's the best place people can go? We'll link to all of the specific articles you've mentioned, but where would you like people to kind of uh, get in yeah. touch with you or follow you? Yeah, you can you can email me directly if you want, Dennis at TuberLabs.com. It's one N, Dennis. Uh, but otherwise, I'd recommend, yeah, people go to our website and um, uh, there's a lot of research and insights we give out to the industry in general to help people, uh, even if you're not working directly with us. But so I would say on our website, tubularlabs.com is a great place to visit. You can also sign up to our like free product there where you can look at like how you rank versus others on a global capacity on YouTube and Facebook or a leaderboard product. And um, yeah, so I would say our website, tubularlabs.com or get in touch on uh, email or LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on as well. Cool. Thanks, Dennis. It's been absolutely fascinating. And uh, yeah, look forward to hearing more from you. Always interested to hear your latest reports. And I'm sure they're going to be even more uh, interesting and more important uh, with the current situation in the world. So thanks a million, Dennis. And yeah. people, make sure you go and check out all of the uh, incredible stuff that we'll be linking to in the show notes. Great. Thanks, Thank Dennis. you very much, Tom. Thank you. Bye, everyone. That was great, Tom. Tubular is one of those platforms that 
I remember jumping on uh, many, many years ago when it when it launched and being like, finally, somebody who's doing this because the whole comparison of like Nielsen, Comscore, Barb, one of the biggest frustrations when I was in marketing is the lack of support for digital, real digital tracking from these old school platforms, right? The, uh, the Nielsen, the Comscores yeah, of this so world. This so, you know, Tubular, I knew exactly what they were trying to do. And it's great to hear that they've established themselves as, you know, the Nielsen of, you know, YouTube in a way and can give uh, that, you know, all those insights and information that, uh, you know, all of us that create video on, online crave for. We don't care about how much views uh, ABC makes. We care about how many views TikTok does, how many views Facebook does. So there needed to be a specific video platform to, to serve that. Yeah, and the fact that he comes from Google and YouTube for many years, you know that he's got some serious credit and knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I've known Dennis for a number of years, and I, I didn't really – obviously, I'd done my research before the interview, but it was – you know, it's not like I knew him as like an ex-YouTuber, ex-Googler. So that's really interesting to get that uh, perspective. And, uh, yeah, and it, it makes sense because he really does get creators. He gets publishers – uh, and he just lives and breathes it. Is like so dedicated. It's so knowledgeable. And yeah, as I say, they're really generous with that with that data. Was there any kind of trend trending stuff from the reports or from the the kind of coronavirus type trends that surprised you, or was it all kind of yeah standard? I mean, from the from the you Facebook. No, one of the comments that he made that was sort of like total like yes, I know that that happens. Is the whole like how these new platforms, the platforms that are quote-unquote going viral, the TikToks of the world, they're all trying to age up. Mm -hmm. They're all trying to age up because let's face it, like, uh, I, and I think I've sort of like been on the soapbox before in previous episodes is, you know, yes, you get scale, quote-unquote scale from the kids, but that's not where you're going to make money. It's the same situation, you know, I, you can compare it to what we're seeing right now with the whole, you know, corona apocalypse in a way right yes you get tons of views but like money is nowhere to be seen yeah. yes you know the, the whole fallacy of like we need to target kids yes there's certain brands but there's a lot more brands out there that care about an older demographic with money and older demographics with money are not spending you know two hours a day on tiktok they're spending that time on more established platforms. That's why YouTube's done its best to clean its act up. And every platform's trying to do the best to clean its act up. But they all play the same game of like getting scale from kids and then to last, hopefully they last long enough to get that ingrained uh, older audience to, to get into, you know, to, to, to make real money. Yeah, that's the, the sort of point that really, that was interesting that, you know, I love the fact that you sort of like confirmed my my opinion <laughs> and uh also you know like the minutes washed uh point about how you know uh 18 to 34 on facebook youtube uh represents 50 percent of the audience whereas he mentioned four percent 13 to 17 but i wasn't clear as to if it was facebook or youtube because i would think youtube still has a lot of that audience the younger demographic has definitely dropped off facebook so again those type of like you know insights are very uh, fun to sort of like pay attention to and and put out there and make people realize that that's why you know you don't make as much money in certain platforms versus others sorry i think the fact that dennis and chibula published this kind of what what's what's the the trend going to be soon report and like sport was a big thing and then you know a month later the whole 
world of professional sport is shut down just shows you how quickly trends can change and how you just have to have your finger on the pulse absolutely constantly and so that's why people like us are here that's why people like tubular tubular insights are here and that's why you have tools like tubular so you have to have your your finger on the pulse and um yeah i've, I've been lucky as i say to to be able to have played with tubular a, a couple of companies and it is it's one of those tools that's just so powerful like you'll be working on it for months and you, you'll just find a whole new section that you you haven't even touched yet and it's just like so valuable yeah having said that you know tubular is not cheap it's not like a it's not like a prosumer level model it's really aimed at bigger media companies more like enterprise software but it packs some serious punch and um yeah if you're lucky enough to get your hands on it you know uh it can really really be a game changer so yeah do reach out to dennis if if you feel that you're you know you kind of fit into that field and um we'll link to all of the links mentioned all of the reports all of the tools in today's show notes yeah i have to say uh, i'm kind of jealous if you've had clients that have paid for that because it is so pricey that not a lot of companies will pay that you know unless you're a big big broadcaster yeah it was uh, i was actually working for um a couple of broadcasters at the time so yeah um but that's the fun part you, i think you, a tool like that you have to look at it as an investment not as a cost because it does have a serious return on investment as well you know it's not oh yeah of course it's not a sunk cost like you're getting insights and making deals and all sorts that um you know it pays for itself definitely so thanks again dennis and um we're looking forward to the next report Thanks again, Dennis. Awesome. So before we cut out, obviously, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we have over 30 episodes. By this time, we'll be close to 40 behind us, and they're all mostly evergreen. So you can go there and listen to them while you're at home keeping safe. Obviously, if you enjoyed the show, give us a thumbs up recommendation if you can. Before we go, a big thank you once again to TubeBuddy, which is the ultimate tool for managing and optimizing YouTube channels, YouTube networks. It helps, it really, really helps you grow your channel organically and gives you all the tips and tools needed to uh, optimize your channel from A to Z. We have a special offer that Tom will describe. Yeah, so you can get an exclusive multi-channel license discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Take care, Tom. Stay safe. Cheers, guys.